Look at Acts chapter 2 this morning as we continue in our series called Exponential, looking at the power of relationships. Acts chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 42 in just a moment. You know, the quality of your life in 2021 will be determined in large part by the quality of the new relationships that develop this year. If you think back over the last year and a half, so many of us have have grown distant, maybe from people, uh, maybe you've seen more of them on social media than actually face-to-face. Uh, a lot of the uh, connections that we once had and meeting people, I, I know I used to do a whole lot more of meeting people for lunch, and we would, I'd, I would meet uh, uh, one of you men for lunch and go downtown or go to Cary or different places and try to meet you and connect over a lunch. And over the last year and a half, that's been a little bit challenging. In fact, some of the restaurants I used to meet people at, I've been to in the last few months, and you go there at lunchtime and there's like 10 people inside the restaurant. You wonder, how are they keeping the doors? open. It's just, it's been a, a, an unusual time in our nation's history. People are feeling disconnected. They're feeling like their relationships have been strained. Maybe you've moved here in the last year or year and a half, and you're looking to build relationships and, and further relationships and, and, and strengthen relationships in your life. And you know, the Bible created us to live within community. God created us to, to thrive in an environment where people are around us that will help encourage us and lift us up on our worst days. They will celebrate with us on our best days. They will cry with us or hold our hands when we're struggling during the certain days. But folks, God created us to live within relationship. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, says, The Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I'll make a helper fit for him. Uh, this afternoon, I have a wedding right outside in the little courtyard, the prayer courtyard outside here, and uh, a couple in our church are getting married, and I look forward to celebrating with them and uh, uh, taking, watching them take that next step in their relationship and committing to marriage and uh, with their family and, and a few friends that are going to be gathering. But folks, it's important. God saw fit that man needs one another. We need relationships. The Word of God talks about iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. It's important for us to have those people around us to encourage us and make us a better person. From the beginning, God knew that relationships were important, and so he created us not to be alone. In fact, when Adam looked around in the garden, he saw there was two of every kind, but there was only he was the only one like him. No, no one else was like him in the garden. And God calls to sleep, uh, a deep sleep to come on Adam. And he formed from the, from the rib of Adam and the dust of the ground. He formed Eve. And, and it was a beautiful thing. And, and, and folks, loneliness is a danger sign. In fact, people that are feeling lonely in this world today, they, they need to do something to rekindle relationships and build those relationships around them. And loneliness is our body's way of telling us we need to rejoin the herd. And uh, some people have looked back over the, the quarantine time, they're like, you know what, I kind of like this. I mean, I don't have to see anybody. Some of you haven't gotten dressed a single day in the last year and a half. I mean, put some clothes on. I mean, seriously, get out of bed. Uh, don't just sit there in your pajamas all day long. The Holderness has a whole uh, video about, you know, they've been doing uh, working from home all these the last year and a half. And sometimes you got to get dressed and iron an outfit. So who, who irons anything anymore? 
you want to look nice, put on some makeup. I mean, you know, fix your hair or shave your head or whatever it is that you need to do. And take pride in yourself and re-engage with the herd. It's important. Loneliness is a danger sign. It's our body's way of telling us that there's something missing in our lives. And that we need to reconnect with other people. In fact, studies have shown that loneliness leads to a higher blood pressure, greater risk of heart attack, depression, and obesity. It causes people to drink more, exercise less, get divorced more, and they're generally less happy. We need one another. In fact, I, I tell you, I'm a people person. And uh, when we were completely shut down for some of those times a couple months last year, I was like a fish out of water. Some of you are like, man, that was what I was, I was made for those moments. But I thrive off relationships. I thrive off conversation. I thrive off getting to know you and building a relationship with people in our church. And loneliness is, is not how God intended for us to live. The key to overcoming it, though, is developing quality relationships in your life. The quality of your life this year will be determined in large part by the new relationships that you develop during 2021. And as a church, we're committed to helping make sure that you develop good and godly relationships and you get to connect with other people who have similar interests and similar needs. And, and we're committed at Calvary, we believe it, as the, the church is, as it grows larger, it also has to grow smaller. In other words, as more people start attending the church, we have to have more small groups that are forming in order to meet the needs of relationship building within our church. If you look at our area, our city, uh, look outside uh, our, our church campus at what's happening right across the street. And I'm watching daily as the landscape is changing. And uh, it's exciting. Sure, the, uh, the, the pumpkin patch is going to look a little different, but it's going to be a, a Costco, you know. Uh, and I look across there and I'm thinking to myself, I mean, I guess the strawberry patch is next. I mean, anybody else get that same feeling? It's like, we're losing the country. I mean, uh, I remember when our, this church campus used to be tobacco fields and and now we have multiple buildings, and it's the sign of growth. It's the sign of change. My, my son, my oldest son, Micah, he hates all of the building, and he's like, they're cutting down all the trees, and you'll see a new neighborhood going up, and they literally go in and mow 60 acres down and, and cut all of those trees, and you know, when it's all done and said, uh, there's all these little teeny trees in everyone's front yard that's going to take another 30, 40 years to get to that same size again, and, He's like, Dad, I don't like it. I, I want it just to stay the same. And there's a part of us that like to just kind of stay within our private little ordered world. But God created us to reach the masses. He created us to reach our city with the gospel. If you look at the statistics on the screen, Raleigh-Durham, the research triangle area, has over 2 million people within the triangle. I remember not that many years ago when we crossed the one million person mark, and now we've already crossed the two million person mark. Wake County alone has over 1,132,000 1, people in the 2020 census, and we passed Mecklenburg County as the largest county in North Carolina. Holy cow. I mean, move over, Charlotte. I mean, I mean, we have, it's growing exponentially. The area that we're growing in 
Every time you turn around, we're late rated as number one or number two place to live and, and do business and raise a family and all the things that we enjoy about it uh, are, are right here in our city, in our backyard. And Johnston County was the fastest growing county in the state uh, right next door. And, and we're talking about all of the, the growth of people that are moving here to our city. It's changing rapidly. But folks, over the next 30 years, Wake County is expected to double. So what is on all of the triangle is going to be just in Wake County by 2054. So what is going to happen? How are we going to manage all of the new people that are coming into our doors? And if you're new to the church, I've met a number of new people this morning. Welcome. Welcome to, to North Carolina. Welcome to Wake County. Welcome to Raleigh or Fuquay or wherever you call home. But it's, the landscape is changing rapidly. And, but folks, God has called us to make disciples who go forth and make disciples. He's called us to reach out and make a difference. And it begins with real relationships it begins through small groups. It begins through connecting people with other people. We have two types of meetings at the church, the large corporate worship service, which you're in or you're watching this morning online. But folks, he also created a, a small group setting where you can get plugged in with other people uh, that are of similar uh, place in life, and they can learn, and you can encourage each other and grow through that small group. We call this life groups. So there's some that meet on Sundays. There's some that meet different nights throughout the week, and they're vital for our relationship building so that we grow as disciples, but also so that we continue making disciples as a church. I want to invite you to look at our text this morning in Acts chapter 2. It's the first century church. God is doing some supernatural things. And, and we see as, as they gathered for worship, it's talking about how they begin to meet those needs of relationship building in the early New Testament church. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship. So in other words, they gathered for corporate worship. That's what we're doing right now, to break bread and prayers. All came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. In other words, people were being encouraged as they saw life change take place amongst the people who had gathered for worship. It says all these things were happening. All who believed were together, had all things common, were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as many had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, Breaking bread in their homes, that's the small groups, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. In other words, God encouraged them through the relationships that they were forming and building within the New Testament church. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. I love the last part, it says the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You see what happens is, it would be very easy as a as an individual to say, you know what, I'm thankful for my little tribe. And, and, and maybe that's your uh, immediate family. At our house, that's six of us. And, you know, we could easily say, hey, we're, we're tapped out. We're full. We're, we're, we've kind of maxed out. And I don't really have room in my life for more people. But folks, God has created us where we need others. We need other men to come alongside me as a husband, as a, as a father, as a man, 
and encourage me and, and spur me on to do greater things and be a, the man that God's called me. He's, he's called us to wrap our arms around other ladies, not men around other ladies, or not your wife, but uh, ladies to wrap their arms around other ladies and, and encourage them and come alongside of them and be the Aaron and her as they lifted up Moses' hands and God made him victorious and the children of Israel. He's called us to encourage and come alongside one another. We see these large group meetings in the temple, but we see the smaller group, the life groups that meet in people's homes. They all came together, they worshiped together, all the Christians in a large group, and then they got into a small group. It was less formal. It was less rehearsed or, or, or practiced, and yet it was authentic as real relationships were being formed. You see, Meeting together in small groups is nothing new. In fact, it's been going on for 2,000 years. As the church understood as, as it grows larger, it must also grow smaller. And folks, small groups are, are important. Small groups help me develop real relationships. If you look at verse 42, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. In other words, in a life group, you're going to build real relationships with other people. I, I looked in the, uh, some of these classrooms this morning across the hall, and some of these people are, are gathered in there. They're, they're, they're studying the Word of God together, but there are relationships that have been building, some of them for years. I looked in that ladies' class down there, and some of those ladies are, boy, they're thick as thieves. They're not, they're not, you're not going to break them apart. I mean, they, they are friends they can rely on one another. They're praying for one another. They're encouraging some of the senior adults across the hall. They're over there. They're, they know when one another is struggling. They're, they're on the phone. No, they're, they're old school. They're not going to probably have some kind of online uh, chat. It's probably not going to happen. I don't think they did any Zoom meetings uh, during the quarantine. Uh, I, I'm not making fun of I don't like Zoom meetings either. But, I mean, it, I don't think they were doing that kind. But you know what they could do? They picked up their phone. And they'll call, they'll let you know when there's a need, and, and they take care of the needs of their own. And, and when someone is needy or coming home from the hospital, they're seeing to it that their needs are being met and taken care of, and, and they're watching over the flock. Small groups help me develop those real relationships in my life. In a life group, you're going to build friendships. In fact, I said in my introduction, part of the quality of your life this year will be determined by the new relationships that you build this year. It's on us. Sometimes I've heard people say, well, Pastor, you know, I've been around and we visited X number of churches and we just haven't made any friendships. Well, sometimes it's a reflection on the church. But I've heard people say, we've been to 15 churches before we came here and, and we didn't find anything. And what happens is, there's a responsibility that also comes back to each one of us to say, I'm going to be committed. I'm going to go week after week. I'm going to get plugged into a small group. I'm going to get into a relationship where I can get to know people and, and make myself accountable to other people. And folks, that is part of it, the developing those real relationships. Some people say, well, Pastor, I don't need, I've already have some friends at church. I don't really need any more friends. I don't need any more relationships. And I'm married. My wife is my best friend, and I really don't need anybody else. In fact, the reality is, is that is not true. That's not how God created us. And you can say, well, hey, 
I'm just going to, me, it's me and my wife, and, and the two of us, we're just like this, and nothing, I'm not trying, no one's trying to come between you and your spouse. In fact, we're there to encourage the relationship, the marriage relationship. We celebrate when people celebrate 25 or 30 or 40 or 50 years of marriage, or some of you 60 and 60 some plus years of marriage, and, and I'll be honest, I'm sitting here thinking, Stephen, I want to live that long and experience that for that many years if my wife will put up with me for 63 years. I mean, I would love to experience those same things. But folks, what happens is we need other people to come along beside us. And we need to come along beside other people and, and, and encourage each other. So what happens is uh, I need those relationships in my life. Studies show that a healthy marriage isn't enough in and of itself. Healthy friendships, godly relationships outside of just the, the husband and wife, are also important. Studies show that maintaining existing relationships is not enough. You have to add to that relationship family. And what happens is, the more I build relationships with you, the more you build relationships with me and with other people in the church, you are a stronger, richer, fuller Christian and follower of Jesus as those relationships are forming. And I'm not talking about the, uh, the superficial, how you doing today? Fine, and you keep walking. No, I'm talking about the, how are things going at, at work this week? What's happening with your kids in school? Or You know how many people have asked me this morning about my wife, her surgery two weeks ago, and, and she's, it's been a, a very slow couple of weeks. And then Friday, our daughter, oldest daughter, had her wisdom teeth cut out. And I'm thinking to myself, I mean, we could have a whole lot of fun with some videos this last couple of days uh, coming off of the medication and things of that nature. But uh, we're going to stay away from all of that. I, I know we're, you know, I don't want, I want to be able to come home and, and, and have a happy home, home life. But folks, the reality is, is we need those relationships. And, and those relationships have to be beyond the superficial how is God working in your life? What is he teaching you through the word right now? What is it that God is, what, what, what's the prayer request that we can pray with you and encourage you? For healthy relationships are important. New people stretch us. Think about it. A weightlifter who goes to the gym. If you go to the gym day after day and do the exact same exercise, it's not healthy. We've all seen the the guys who go to the gym and they only work out their chest and their arms. I mean, they are like so top heavy. I mean, they're about to blow over because their, their legs are like little bird legs, you know. And yet they have this massive chest and, and they're just pumping their iron like crazy. They've got these big bulging biceps. And, and But they're always wearing pants. <laughs> There's a reason because if you saw their ugly legs, I mean, they look like a little bird. And, and there's nothing healthy about it. If you work that same muscle and do the same exercise over and over and over, eventually it begins to stop growing and it starts deteriorating because you need other exercises. You need to work out the other muscles of your body. And the same is true in the relationship process. Joining a life group allows you to meet new people, be challenged by other people in the discipleship process, and it helps you make friends that will strengthen your walk and relationship with God. Ephesians chapter 4 Verse 9 says this, two are better than one because they have a good reward from their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. That same passage goes on a couple verses later, talks about a three-chord uh, uh, um, 
threefold cord is not easily broken. In other words, we are stronger, the, the stronger the relationships are that we forge in our life. And folks, it says, woe to him who's alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. These relationships are vital. And folks, we're going we're gonna to get into this what you're thinking this morning. Who is the person we're talking about in this particular passage? Hang on. You're going to see it at the very end because I think it's, it's, it's vital for us to see the, 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 the not so popular person and how God uses ordinary average people to make a difference in the church. Small groups are also fun. You say, Pastor, what does this have to do with anything? Go to verse 46. Day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. You see what happens is, as I get into real relationships with other people, whether it be one of these groups on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon or, or Wednesday night or Thursday night or during the week when you get together with a small group, what happens is you start building real relationships with people that are authentic and, and it's fun to get together and talk about life, do life with that person. Uh, many of our groups, they eat together when they get together. And they'll, they'll have something to eat. There's nothing like a bunch of Christians uh, pigging out on some food and, and having a, a good time of food and fellowship around the table. But folks, in a life group, you may have food, you may not have food. But the real, the, the real point is, is getting to know people. You hear about someone's crazy week. Uh, Stephen, I've heard so many stories about your life group and those guys. And Lord willing, this Wednesday night, I will be at your life group. Uh, I want to hear some of those stories. But I'll hear some of the stories coming out of his group. And it's like, they're like, we got so far off a of track. I mean, it was like, you know, removing the, 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 the mountain to get back on, on track. But, but what happens is, sometimes it's those relationships, it's, not just about the prayer. It's not just about the Bible study. It's getting involved in someone's life where they understand there are other people who are going through very similar, very real circumstances, and they're also struggling. I'm not alone. And, and so when you go through those relationships and you talk about how God is stretching you and forming you and forging you, what happens is it strengthens all of us. And it's, it's fun. It's a, a vital part of growing and maturing as a disciple of Jesus Christ. So we talk about the, the sermon and, and the application from the sermon. We talk about our devotions and what we're studying in, in the Word of God. All of that is fun because it, it, it comes to life. The Scripture takes on form. Human form is we start to realize God is changing me from the inside out. And folks, as he's changing me, he's changing those around me. He's changing those in our small group. Small groups also allow me to encourage others and be encouraged by others. He says in verse 42, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread and prayers. And we're going to see what happens is as the group begins to encourage one another, sometimes he uses trials in our lives to make us more determined and, and grow deeper in our faith. And those moments of trial are the things that God is ultimately glorified and he's exalted because of what we're facing in, in this life. When you think about it, a study years ago, and originally started in 1984, they said the average American has only three people 
with which they can share important stuff with. They consider to be confidence, confidants, someone that they can tell anything, that best friend, so to speak. And fast forward 25 years later in 2009, studies show that then that number had dropped from three people in their life that they could call on to two. We've not been 25 years yet, so that next study will be coming up in just a few years. But I would dare say in the last year and a half, that number's probably gotten down to one or less. Because the reality is, most people don't have close, authentic relationships. We keep barriers around us to keep everyone at a distance so I don't get hurt and you don't get to see who I really am. You see what happens is over the last year as we've all been quarantined and masked it's difficult as a pastor to know what you are struggling with because when you come out of church and I'm not making light of it at all because I've been masked myself but the reality is is when your face is covered I can't tell if you've had a uh, an exciting week where God has given you the greatest uh, win uh, of your entire life. And, and you've met the person you fall in love with and you will spend all the rest of your life happily married together. I can't tell if you've gone through a terrible trial and, and you're crying and, and, and you need someone to pray with. And it's been difficult. So what happens is, and imagine what these kids are going through. As they're going to school and, and their teachers don't see what's happening and I remember over the last year and a half talking to social workers and they're like, you know what, those teachers are often the very ones who report the abuse that they're seeing in these kids. The doctors are reporting the abuse, but because people aren't going to school, because they're not going to the doctors, the, the, the workers who see this and are advocates for these kids don't get to report on it. The school counselors aren't there to be able to say, you know what, this child is, is struggling. There's some problems in that home, and we need to get some assistance to come alongside and help mom and dad to once again get on their feet and thrive and, and, and glorify and glorify God ultimately. See, with small groups are there to encourage you. Romans chapter 1 verse 12 says that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. You see, people in your life group are there to encourage you and celebrate you when things are, are going well. Pray for one another. The truth is, you and I need more prayer than we could ever begin to imagine right now. We need God's people encouraging us and rallying around us. So they're there to pray for one another. The truth is when people pray together, God listens. The word of God says in the book of James that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails what, church? Much. In other words, God hears the prayers of his people. And if you're going through a hard time, it's nice to know that there are other people who are, who are right there with you, praying for you, encouraging you. We've all watched this week as one of our members, Miss Winnie Wagner, has been battling cancer during this year. And she had cancer surgery on Friday. And I spent some time with her on the phone on Thursday evening. And, and she said, Pastor David, she says, God has given me an unbelievable confidence. She said, I'm not afraid because... I know that God has got it completely under control. And she posted, I think, earlier that same evening, a picture of the scans that she had just gotten, I think, the day before. And, I mean, it was amazing how from just a few months ago, before chemo, and, 
And after all of the prayers of God's people and, and following the plan, the path that the doctors had set forth, it was, the tumors were gone. And, and they went in on, on Friday and did surgery. And she was home on Saturday. And today's her birthday. She's, she's listening right now online. So let's, let's give her a hand and let her know how much we love her. <clears throat> Miss Winnie, we love you. Happy birthday. And uh, we're, we're rejoicing with you and God's goodness. But she said, David... Pastor David, so many people have been praying. They've reached out. They have encouraged me. They've lifted my spirit to pray for one another, serving one another. We can encourage one another by serving one another. And, and folks, what happens is if it's up to the three or four pastors that we have on our church staff to meet the needs of every family in our church, it's not going to happen. Needs will be neglected. There's no way it's possible. But what happens is when you plug into a small group, those people get to know you. They become your, your tribe. They become the people that you call and you reach out to. And, and folks, and if you're going through a major time, just like with Miss Winnie, I was there to reach out and encourage her. But folks, the reality is, is we need other people. And God uses he, to, to serve the flock. And Galatians 6.2 says, bear one another's burdens. So fulfill the law of Christ. Each one of us have a responsibility to be there for other people. So you look around the building at the people sitting around you. You, also, you need your needs met. You need to be encouraged and served when you're in your time of need. But folks, it also requires reciprocation. You do it for other people as well. See, sometimes people say, well, Pastor David, I just want to, all, I come to church as a consumer, and I'm looking to see what the church offers me. If they have this program and that program, if I can get this position and that position, and if I can do this and that, and if the church is always there for every single thing I need, then I'm good with that. But otherwise, I'm moving on to the next church down the road. Folks, that's the wrong attitude. The attitude should be, I want to plug in, and I want to serve, and I want to grow together with other people. And I, what happens is it requires us to invest as well. Us invest in the relationships of other people. So it's not only encouraging one another, serving one another, it's also motivating one another. You, you see, every one of us sometimes needs a kick in the pants. We've all been there. We've all, and right now some of you are saying, for me to get back to the office, I'm going to need a kick in the pants. I mean, working from home has gotten just too easy. The reality is, is most of us do need to get back into a, a healthy routine again. And, and we need someone to come along and kick us, so to speak, and in, in Jesus' name, of course. I mean, I'm saying this with all uh, love and respect. We need someone to encourage us. I have four kids, and you know what? I've discovered the way to get them all downstairs for dinner. Cut off the router. Cut off the internet. I mean, it's right there in the closet beside the kitchen. Just go over there and plug it, and everyone's downstairs in like 2.2 seconds. Dad, the internet's not working. Dad, the internet. I mean, I mean, it's time to eat, so we don't need internet to eat. I mean, we're not ordering DoorDash. Come on, sit down, and uh, well, we can eat as a family. Sometimes we need that extra push to get out there and build the relationships and motivate one another. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 11 says, A wise teacher's words spur students to action. Folks, we need to be around other people in a small group setting that we're going to be encouraged and motivated to be the person that God has called us to be. 
Well, we, we met, met to meet the needs of one another. Verse 45 says, I love this verse. It says, they were selling their possessions and belongings, distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. They genuinely cared and desired to help meet the needs of those around them that were struggling. They didn't just talk about it. When the need arose, they sought to meet the need of those around them. You see what we talked about just a couple Sundays ago about generosity. And what happens is when we put God first in our finances, as he lays people's needs on our hearts and says, I want you to reach out and help that couple. They're struggling. That person has a, a loss in their family and, and they're, they're needing some extra assistance. That person's needing help with, with food or, or, or school supplies or, or clothes. And you can rise to the challenge and help meet that need over through the course of the year. The church has helped many families in need. But folks, what more could we do if we were tuned in and motivating one another and caring for the needs of each other? And then fourthly, we'll see small groups help me learn to study the Word of God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread and, and prayers. What happens is in your life group, you begin to learn to study the Word of God and, and rightly divide the Word of God. And you, you take hard verses that you might just skip over and say, I don't really know what to do with that verse. And so it obviously doesn't apply to me. Well, the reality is, is if you'll take some time and, and break it down, maybe it's just a couple verses or, or, or a small passage or, or phrase in Scripture. What happens is as we begin to break it down and study it together, it, God begins to illuminate His Word, and it begins to give direction for our lives. Psalm 119, verse 1 and 5 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet. And what, church? It's a light. Just like that light is, is beaming down and making it where I can hardly see you out there, that beam of light is there to lead and, and direct. And folks, as we're going through this course of life, we need direction. We need to know how to study the Word. And we need to teach one another how to read it for ourselves. And what happens is when you've hidden God's Word in your heart and trials come your way, you're not left totally helpless, hopeless. I have direction. I've got wisdom. I've got insight. I've got God's Word who's making clear a path before me. It, um, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 talks about how he makes the path straight before us. What happens is as we're growing in relationship, as I learn to study and hide God's Word in my heart, folks, it's not just enough to sit here on Sunday, but we have to get involved in the process of growing in a small group and making relationships with other people. Romans 15, verse 14 says, I myself am satisfied about you. Paul writes, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. When you are a part of a small group, what happens is you need to understand God's not just going to speak to you. He's going to speak to you through the preaching of the Word on Sunday. He's going to preach through the, the Bible study that you're doing uh, as a small group. But he's going to use the other people around you as he speaks to them. He's going to speak through them to you and, and encourage you. God wants to use other Christians in your life. And he wants to speak through them to give counsel for you in your growth process. 
See, if God wants to use that small group, God does it. He uses all of the people around us to help us be a, a stronger follower of Jesus Christ, better equipped to live out the call of God to be make, making disciples of every nation. So, Pastor, what's the application? Every single one of us has a responsibility to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And that can only happen through healthy relationships. Say, Pastor, I've already come to church on Sunday. Is that not enough? No. There's a, a, a deeper level of commitment that God is calling, to, calling us to. He says it can only happen through healthy relationships. It's impossible to make disciples if we're not building new relationships and the healthiest way to build relationships that lead to life change happens through the local church. Christ loved the church so much that he died for the church. He loves the church so much that he gave his life on the cross and took our place. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4:16, for whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. What's he saying? He says, every single person has a place that God wants to use us. And we're going to thrive the most, not when we sit on the bench, but when we engage in building healthy relationships going to lead to the life change. That's what God wants for your life this morning. He desires you get plugged into the church as as a member and an active functioning part of the church but he also wants you to get plugged into a a small group where you can begin to grow and and i know the last few weeks in the summer um, people are are traveling some kids have like a week left before school and and so they're but in just a few weeks everybody's gonna be back hopefully from vacation that's the pastor's favorite time of year Uh, i love christmas and easter but i mean i love it when people just come back to church you know and they're just back into that routine of of getting back in church but see what happens is god wants that for our life he wants us to make disciples of others around us don't buy into the lie of the enemy that tells us you don't need people don't buy into the lie of the enemy that tells you that you know you don't need other people to get close to your life see the the problem with that is the devil's goal is to keep you discouraged defeated depressed and lonely but god created us for relationship he created us to live in community so he knows the devil knows if he will keep you isolated you'll be ineffective in making disciples of jesus christ and the church will not grow or thrive in this time you folks if you look at the last verse of our text verse 47 says the lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved i love this because each one of those new testament followers We're just a minor part of the story of God. You see, God doesn't give us their names. The Pauls, the Susans, the Toms, the Daves. He doesn't give us those names in Acts chapter 2. He just says God continually added to the church day by day as people were being saved. As the church were building relationships God used it to grow the church exponentially. 
those Bible study teachers, those deacons, those faithful servants, the people that were parts of, of life groups and small groups, those who were serving in nurseries or the parking lot or, or what, those who were doing social media back in the day or however it happened, or maybe with tablets or, or, or uh, I don't know how they did it in those days. But the reality is, is none of their names are listed in Scripture. But as they create, did what God had created them to do, He used it and He grew the church in exponential ways. Each one of these New Testament followers weren't mentioned by name, but yet they impacted the world with the gospel in ways we can't imagine. Let me challenge you over the next few weeks. As people begin to return, we're going to be having a big push to get people plugged into small groups. Start inviting people. You're plugged into a life group already. Start inviting other people that you see in church. Say, hey, I want you to join me this week for our life group. I want you to start having relationships with other people. Start encouraging. Some of you have led life groups before, and it's time for you to re-engage and say, you know what? I'm willing to step up and lead one in the fall. You know what? We want to talk to you. We want to get you plugged in. Somebody say, but I've been involved in a life group in the past. And then COVID happened, all right? Well, folks, it's time to re-engage. It's time to re-enlist. It's because God has not stopped calling sinners to repentance. He's not put a pause on the Great Commission to go and make disciples of every nation. He's called us to be faithful exactly where he's placed us and planted us. And folks, the word of God says, and then God gives the increase. He will use each one of us, if we'll allow him to, in exponential ways, make disciples here in our city and around the world. Heavenly Father, thank you for the privilege of opening your word. Lord, I'm thankful that in spite of the fact that none of these people were named by name, God, you used them in supernatural ways. God, would you continue to call your church and equip your church? be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. God, or did you help us to, if we, those that do not have a personal relationship with you this morning, God, I pray that you would stir within their heart the desire to, to place their faith and trust in, in you alone and, and receive forgiveness of sin and receive eternal life and, and have hope and purpose and meaning. God, for those who have, have been saved, I pray that those who've never uh, taking that next step in baptism just about a month we have our outdoor baptism what an awesome opportunity as several others have already come and 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 they're taking that net getting ready to take that next step i pray that others would join them those who have been saved and have been baptized lord it, some of them it's time for them to plug in and they need to to go to the starting point here in just a, a couple of sundays and and learn how that they can get plugged in in a meaningful way and begin to serve and, and grow here in this church. God, those that are not plugged into a, a, a small group, God, I pray that over the next few weeks as we begin to unroll, uh, un, uh, unveil some of these new groups that will be starting and, and existing groups that they can join, God, that you would begin to stir within the heart uh, of each one here this morning. Lord, those that are coming in the middle of the summer is the really the, the heart of the church and and God I pray that you would stir hearts and Lord as, as people begin to re-engage in, in church life when school starts back here in, in a few weeks God I pray that you would stir within our hearts to reach across the aisle build relationships with people we do not know 
Lord, all of the new families that are moving into our city and into our communities, God, I pray that we would reach across the aisle and invite them to belong and to have a, a relationship and, and get plugged into a small group where they can have people who know their name that can encourage them, they can pray with them, they can lift them up, they can motivate them to good works, they can serve them and, and be served as well. God, would you do a mighty work in our church this morning that we might do exponential things for the glory of God. We'll be careful to praise you. That's about an eyes closed.